Thank you. Well, good morning. My name is Daniel Budd, one of the pastors here. And to, uh, today we just uh, invite you to have a um, standalone kind of a topic. And um, from next Sunday, we are going to go into the Advent season. So if you can believe it, we are there, right? The snow kind of reminds us of that. But I think that all of us lately, it's very hard not to notice, right? If you, uh, if you think of the headlines in the last 10, you know, 10 days or so, it's hard not to notice. This is just from this morning from New York Times, you know, just a few of the headlines that we live in a turbulent times. On the Friday, the November 13, you know, the attacks in Paris, then you heard of the standoff and even some girls being blown off in, in Paris, then, then the hostage situation in, in Mali. And then yesterday, Brussels, the city uh, capital of um, Belgium, is, is locked down. The metro was closed, and it's like a ghost city because they are afraid. And even people say that now it's our turn to have an attack on our, on our land that they are focusing on hurting us at home. So it's very, it's very hard to miss the headlines and to miss the trouble we are in. Because the news is not that good. So the question this morning is, how do you deal with trouble? And it can be trouble at home. It can be also trouble at work. It can be trouble in your heart. It can be trouble in your own body, in your health. How do we deal with it? You know, some of us like to bike, I guess. That's one way. Jog or run or just take relaxing walks, take a coffee and read a book, watch movies or try to deal with, you know, others are overeating, I guess. But um, (laughs) how do you deal with trouble, right? How do you deal with trouble? How do you deal with trouble? John the Apostle looks at us and he says, there is a solution. There is a solution. And John wants to give us something that will take us and we carry, will carry us through. And uh, that's why he comes up in this book of Revelation. And you read, uh, Kevin read a few of the verses in the beginning. But he says, if you want to deal with trouble, there is one big secret that Christians have, and that's hope. Because hope in the end has the last word. Trouble and everything else, you can deal with it if you still have hope. If hope remains in your heart alive, it can take care of your trouble. It can, take care, it can carry you through the trouble. And then John said, let me tell you why you have to hold on to this hope. And it's like reading a novel, you know, and you don't know. It's so exciting. It grabs you. It draws you in. But you are so worried about the main character that you say, I need to read the last two pages because I want to know what's going on in the end. Is she going to make it or is she going to marry him or whatever? Are they going to live happily ever after? And John kind of says, let me tell you something. There is this history of the world And there is this author. He is the best novelist ever. And he is the creator, the maker, the sustainer of all things. 
And he wants to tell you and to tell me, I will let you read the last couple of pages of the humanity's history. Would you like to read what's happening? Do you want to know how it all ends? Do you want to know if you are in trouble, but how are you going to end after you go through the trouble? And then John said, let me read you these verses. So, Revelation 21. This is what you need, says John. Have this vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's how the Jewish wedding goes. And then John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every fear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What a powerful, what a powerful end. What a powerful vision. What a powerful opening. Just imagine the, the context in which John is writing. It's not different from our text, our context today. In fact, it's maybe ten times worse. The Christians... Most of the apostles, and I think that historians basically claim that John was the last one alive when he wrote this book. The others were killed for their faith, including our Savior, Jesus Christ, who raised again the third day. But John is on an island. He is not beheaded or crucified, but he is exiled in an island in the Mediterranean Sea. And you know how much is going on even now in the Mediterranean Sea. And, Ron, uh, and John says, I'm going to open your eyes to see something unique. And basically he says, while all of you Christians are round, rounded up, while the emperor Domitian in Rome is planning this, this widespread persecution of Christians, basically he said, I'm going to finish this Christian faith. 
hundreds and thousands of Christians and rounded up, they are impaled, they are crucified, they are burned alive, and they are put on the highways, the Roman, uh, the Roman roads, and people go by, and as they enter the cities, they see these Christians that are dying, and they know that these people are dying because they follow a different God. And they lose homes, they lose families, and they lose properties. They are plundered, and they, in the end, they lose their lives. Christians are in a deep trouble when John writes these words to them. And John said, I want you to have some hope. When you go into the arena and you see the lion coming, roaring towards you, and when you see your spouse being torn apart, and then you know you are next, I just want you to have hope because there is something better expecting. There is something better. The, that, that lion doesn't have the last, hope, the last word. But maybe you are in you know, West Michigan like this morning. Like we were saying, you know, Ron prayed. What a beautiful morning, right? This is not from this morning, but what a beautiful place to live. Peaceful, safe, quiet. We come to church in safety and say, you know, that's not describing my situation. That's not me in West Michigan, in the United States. So what does it matter to me that these people in the first century were in this trouble? And I want to say that there are three things that Paul, I mean John, tells us in this, in this book. John basically says, first of all, he says, even if you are here, it doesn't matter in what century, in what millennial you live. You should know something, basically. Everything Everything is disintegrating. Everything is disintegrating. In the long run, we are all fertilizer. You know that. Our bodies are not going to last. In a hundred years from now, maybe the kids that were born this week, maybe they will, they will still be alive. But all of us will be gone. Think of it, the process of entropy, right? Creation, everything that is there, it's, it says basically, it's passing away. We are not becoming stronger. We are becoming weaker. In fact, Bible says that our ancestors live thousands of years, right? Hundreds, almost close to a thousand. But we live less. Creation, therefore, is in the process of dying. Can you imagine somebody young, right, going through life? And then can you stop those wrinkles coming? Can you stop the process of aging? Of basically, of basically getting closer to the point of moving from this earth along. We human beings, we die. We are born to die. Because of our sin, because of our sin in the beginning, now that is part of the creation. And the Lord wants to say, this is the portion of everybody. This is a world that is marred, is, is spotted, is destroyed, is completely corrupted by sin. And therefore, I am going to make something different. Animals die. This is the longest, if scientists, you know, are right at this point in time, the longest living animal. Lives 400 years. It's like a form of an oyster. The second longest is the uh, bowhead whale. Almost 211 years. And they say, scientists say, you know, it's so big it can swallow an elephant, right? But... It's not the biggest whale, by the way. But this whale, they say, why? Why is living so long? Is, they say, because it has a very powerful immune system. That's one of the secrets. You know, the whale 
such a, a, such a powerful immune system that keeps every germ from outside from infecting. And yet, after 200 years, the most, most they, they can live, right? They still die. They survive 200 years, but they still die. We are all disintegrated because there is something more deeper within us. And that is sin, which is disintegrating us from the inside. Sin is something that kills us from the inside. And there is no immune system to fight it. Because it is inside our immune system. And we lost it. We lost it through sin. We lost our capacity to protect ourselves. And whether you are Mother Teresa or Stalin... Your main problem is sin. There is no holy person on this earth. Well, you are responsible for what you do with your power. And there is a judge that will decide on what you did with it. But we are all sinful. There is no political party. Democrats and Republicans, they are all sinful. Socialist or Green Party or whatever. There is no political system. There is no country. There is no health system. There is nothing. No military that can, keep, that can keep us safe and keep us living. And keep. Do you remember what the third right was called? Right, because they said we have a fuller and we are going to live a thousand years. It was more than five years, right? I lived in communism, and we all believe that it's going to last forever. In the 80s, when I was a teenager, there was no serious expert in history or in politics that said that the system will fall. It's like today in North Korea. Who believes that it will fall? We think, oh, it will last forever, right? One day, that change, that will change. Change will come there, too. But even if it doesn't, there is a final day. Is the day... Of this new earth and new heaven coming down to us. But until then we have to deal with something that disintegrates us from the inside. You see, it's an easy command. It says like this, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your strength and with all your mind. Love God with all you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you look around in the Middle East... In Belfast, in, in Brussels, in Paris, in Grand Rapids, what's our problem? Is the problem we cannot love God with all we have and we cannot love each other. And that proves that we are sinful human beings. And there is something wrong with us from the inside. And we need to fix that. And that's why John, the apostle, said there is a solution for that. And the solution is not only to say... I believe in Christ because it is. he washes away all of our sins. But along with that, Christ says, I am making all things new. I am not only changing you from the inside, but I am making all things new. We like new things, right? Maybe for you it's not shoes. Like for me, I know, I'm not sure if I, if I care so much about a, a new dress or a new hat or something. But, you know, if there's something at the Apple store, like a phone or a computer, well... If it's new, why not, right? I mean, we all like new things. So John says, God is going to make all things new. So he starts with making new creation. He's going to, us, he's going to give us a new creation. It's going to be a new earth. A new earth in which it's going to be a new Jerusalem. 
not divided, not divided like now between Muslims and Christians, a new Jerusalem, new roads, they are going to be of gold, roads of gold and precious stones and everything else, and it's going to be a new family. Your family is going to be in the new creation, God's family. There will be no more divorces because people will not marry each other. Everybody will be there to support each other, to be for each other, to serve each other. There will be a new home, a home that a bank cannot take away from you, a home that you don't have to pay taxes on, a home that it will be your eternal home. You will, you will, don't, you will not have to fix it up because it will not break unless you want to change things, right? And God will dwell with us. What a powerful verse. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. We keep saying, I guess we are now by 80 kids, right? Pastor Ron, maybe we are close to 80 kids under three years old, you know. Every time somebody comes and says, I want God's promises on my child at baptism we baptize them and we say basically God is saying this promise that he made to Abraham to you I will be your God and he will be my people and we think what a wonderful thing is for Hillside and it is to welcome these kids in in our covenant community but God said the final the ultimate fulfillment the complete fulfillment of my baptismal promises to you and to your children is going to be in that new heaven and new earth Because I will dwell with them. I will be their God. And if you look later in the same same text that we read, it's, it's repeated the same thing. It says the same thing twice. In verse 7 it says, I will be their God and they will be my children. It's an exact quote from God's covenant and promise to Abraham. God is a faithful covenant. God who keeps his covenant. And he says, at the end of the book, the last two pages, you will see that I will keep my promises from the first book of Genesis. From the first few pages. I am the God who ties things up. I start to make a promise and I'm faithful. I will keep it. Trust me. Trust me, even when it's difficult. Even when it's difficult. And he says, no more tears and no more suffering. No more pain. No more death. No more cancer. No more things that can tear you apart. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There is something new that I'm making. It's a new order. People talk about the new world order. This is God's new world order. Because the old order with, with, with presidents, with dictators, with corrupt politicians... With administrators, all sinful people, parties that lie to people and cannot keep their promises, will end up knowing that there is a Lord who keeps his promises, covenantal promises. He says, I can make all things new and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take away all of your pain, all of your suffering. Can you imagine no more need for knee replacements or, you know, cancer surgeries and treatments and chemos and, and broken bones? I don't know what the bones will be made up in heaven, but it will be a wonderful thing. We are all going to have these glorified bodies that will not decay. Maybe you will choose how you look like or what age you will be like. 
how fast you will fly and move through things. Like Jesus, you know, he appears and disappears. So the laws of thermodynamics, you know, the decay, the entropy, everything else will not apply to us because we will live in the new order of things where we will live with our king. But we will have something also. We will be a new you. You say, you know, maybe I'm not inspired by this new order of things because I'm not new. But John says, you will be new too. In, a, in another text of the Bible, it says, this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And if you say, I'm not sure that I am in Christ, there's nothing better to do than to make sure that you are in Christ. To ponder about what Christ promises to us. Indeed, if you look at your body, we are still living now in a decaying body. Our body is decaying. You know, we are saved. We have uh, the promise of the end, but we can still be in jail for our faith, persecuted, beheaded for our faith. We still have cancer. We still have illnesses and diabetes and everything else. We live in a decaying body, but in this decaying body... We still have the comfort. Maybe there's a loved one that has cancer and we cannot do anything. The person is dying, right? But at least we can be there with God's promises. We can walk with them and say, one day everything will be made new. Maybe somebody that struggles with anxiety and with fear. We are there for them. We can say, I cannot take it away, but I can be there with you. I can, with, I can be with you in your troubles. If your family is, 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 is threatened to be broken apart, God says, one day I will make a newer family. And as long as you are here, you can have brothers and sisters that will walk with you through that. You are not alone. You will not. But while your body is weak, our spiritual victory is secure. Our spiritual victory is here and it is now. Those who are victorious, John says, will inherit all this. Victorious now in this life. In other words, we can be overcomers even when we are beheaded. Even when we are losing the battle with cancer. And finally, if you think, well, I'm still dying, I'm still... Just think about it. A new you is available to you. This is what John says. He says this. He said to me, the one sitting on the throne, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty, to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. You are victorious. We are victorious. We live in bodies that are decaying. But in our spirits, we can have strength. The disciples were encouraged. The disciples, those who were in the first century, they went singing to the lions. They weren't on the cross crying in pain, but at the same time, praising the Lord. Praising the Lord. And he says, to the thirsty, you don't need to come as somebody who has all things together. Remember, Jesus said, is exact kind of the same thing. He said, blessed are 
the hunger and thirsty for righteousness. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed. And here, the one sitting on the throne says the same thing. To the thirsty, you just come with your need, with your thirst, with God, with a need for God to come into your own life. And if you haven't done that before, it is time to do it, to say, God, I am thirsty. I am thirsty for your hope. I am thirsty for your promise, for what you bring to my life. I am thirsty to walk with you. I am thirsty. Peter says this, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ. Rejoice so that you may be not only rejoicing, but overjoyed when his glory, which is about this day, is revealed. Peter says, just look forward. Today, Christians are still persecuted, you know. If this statistics from Open Doors is true, every day, at least 10 Christians are being killed in, in the world. Every day. And we promised about 492 people here at Hillside that we will pray this month for the persecuted church. And we took a country. You can look at the map in the, in the foyer. We have about 40, 50 people, whatever, praying for a country. And we have about the top 25 uh, countries in which religion and especially faith, Christian faith is severely persecuted, restricted, or extremely persecuted. And we pray for them. But Peter says, consider it a joy when you share in Christ's suffering. It's an honor. We think that we, we should pray for them, that they should be free and liberty. And that's true, you know, legally and politically and whatever we can do, I think that's, that's honorable to do. But more than anything else, Peter says, consider it a joy when you go through these sufferings. And look what Paul says. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul died beheaded by the Romans. I mean crucified. And like many of the apostles he says. These troubles are present. Are just present troubles. They are not eternal sufferings. They are, and and they are, if, you, if you look at them Paul says. They are not even worth comparing on the balance. You know, With what? With the glory that will be revealed in us. God wants all of us to be glorious, to be amazing people that follow, that love Him, that, that give everything that we have for Him. There was a story of um, the last day in heaven, and people were lining up to, the, to go to the throne. And as, as they were approaching the throne... On an individual basis, they will go and stand in front of the throne. And everyone that was in this place, they saw a beautiful, amazing being coming from behind the throne and being in their presence. And they said, who is this being? And these were people who usually denied the grace of Christ, his love. And, and the answer was, this is the being that you could have been. If you would have let me make you in who I wanted you to be. This is you. And this is what I could have done with you. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says there is a glory that is going to be revealed in us. A glory that is 
more powerful than any other suffering, he says. It's not even worth mentioning, comparing with what you go through. So I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you, if you go to trouble, seek that hope that can carry you to trouble. And if you faithfully pray for those who go to trouble, remember the Christians who are persecuted around the world. You remember the war in Vietnam, right? Near Vietnam, there is a country called Laos, and there is a severe persecution. Laos is among the top countries that restrict religion even today. And I will invite you to just look at one story of a Christian who was recently persecuted just because he wanted to have this hope. He wanted to stick with his hope in Christ. Let's look together.
hope as the last word. Not the persecutor. He said, I kept fighting because I wanted the Bible to keep fighting. What was he fighting? He wasn't fighting, but he was fighting. He wanted to keep his hope alive. His hope, his faith, his trust, his guidance, his belief that one day we are going to live in a new heaven, a new earth. And that's our hope today. That all things will be made new by the king who can do. Would you trust him? Would you let his hope sink deep in your heart and take hold of you so that you will love him more than anything else and let that hope open your eyes to see him as the one who can carry you through any trouble? Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks that we can have hope in Christ that cancer doesn't have the last word That the Islamic State doesn't have the last word. That crucifixions and burnings and, and bars and jails are not able to keep our hope. To, to have our hope gone away, to vanish it. Although our body is dying, our hope and faith in you is stronger and stronger. May you keep it stronger for us, for our kids, for the next generation. Because one day we want to be part of that family of God in which you will dwell with us forever. And you will be our God forever among us and we will be your children. So give us the strength that we need. And keep our hope alive in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand and receive the greeting of the Lord. If you need somebody to pray with you, there is a prayer room to my right and... uh, Somebody will be there waiting and praying with you. Otherwise, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the power of his resurrection, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit give you power and give you hope in the coming week. Amen. You may go in peace.